You are listening to the Tour des Flâneurs, the cycling podcast at the 2021 Tour de France, powered by Super Sapiens. Energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Stage 13, today we're in Carcassonne. We're not allowed to talk about the records with Mark, the Eddie Merckx record, but what do you think it means for him to draw level with the greatest cyclist of all time? Uh, Eddie is Eddie. It's really beautiful, but now, now there is Mark. He did it and uh, he made the history. Well, we open tonight with Davide Ballerini, the Dukunen quickstep rider who was two in front of Mark Cavendish and played a part in, can I say it? Well, we have to bleep it. A record, Mark Cavendish's record-breaking 34th stage win. Didn't the record equaling. Sorry, yes. record equaling. Did I say breaking? Yes. You did break, yeah. Sorry, record equaling. I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh, no. I'm with Lionel Burney. Hello, Richard. And Francois Tomaso. Hi there. We are going to obviously be talking a lot about Mark Cavendish's feat today. We're going to hear from more from Ballerini, from his lead-out man, Michael Morkov, who almost won. And he was asked whether he had actually put the brakes on. <laughs> he didn't. And we'll hear a little bit from Patrick Lefebvre as well. But where are we, Francois? We have to, we have to tell people where we are. Yes, we're, we're, we're on the beautiful little terrace, so very southern French, you know, uh, uh, under a tree, we're drinking wine, we're in Féline, Minervois. The, uh, the race yeah, the race came very near uh, this place, in, in Minerve, which is just around the corner, and we're uh, at a restaurant called the Grand Café Occitan, and that, that, that café belongs to the man we've been talking to, and we'll, we'll discuss that later, but, uh, an Englishman called Robert Eden, and uh, he makes w some of the most beautiful wines I've I've had in the past ten years, probably called Chateau Maris. And we, you know, when we knew we were going to Carcassonne, I told the guys, "There's no way we're going to Carcassonne and not pay a visit to uh, Chateau Maris in Féline Minervois." So, and we've been speaking to him for about the last hour, and it's fair to say that we are we're spinning a little bit because he was quite a character. He was a force of nature, wasn't he? Yeah, we'll be hearing we'll be hearing from him. Appropriate uh, for his organic biodynamic wine. Absolutely amazing, amazing fella. Um, and well, the, another amazing fella uh, was in action today in the Tour de France um, in, his, in in the sprint and in his press conferences afterwards. But we'll get to all that. Have you got the tale of the tap, Lionel? <laughs> Just about, Richard. This is a, a little bit free form this evening because. Uh, well, we've, we've been talking to Robert Eden for the last hour about wine, uh, which has been very pleasant, but it was stage 13 of the Tour de France from Nîmes to Carcassonne, 219.9 kilometres, um, a lot longer than yesterday's stage, which I had initially thought would be a nailed-on sprint. We were well, talking. I was told this morning that, that, that we were stupid to expect a sprint yesterday. Well, I don't know about stupid, but, I mean, all convention said that yesterday would be the sprint and today would be the breakaway day. But clearly, there were some tired legs after the double ascent of Mont Ventoux, and they took the opportunity to let the break go. In some ways, having seen today's course... Although it was long, um, the wind wasn't causing as much havoc today, and it was a simpler course, apart from the road furniture, which was tricky and caused some incidents. There was one non-starter this morning, Michael Gurgle of Quebec Next Hash uh, didn't start the race, and uh, well, after a, a few flurries at the beginning, a break of three established itself. Sean Bennett, also of Quebec Next Hash, Omer Goldstein of Israel Startup Nation, and Pierre Latour of Total Energies, uh, they went clear after 27 kilometres and uh, got approaching five minutes around about uh, 25 kilometres after that. Um, they were just left 
out there. De Kerning quick step did the job today that they didn't do yesterday and they kept everything on a fairly tight uh, leash. And as we got to uh, the last 50 kilometers, uh, the breakaway riders were caught. And before that, there was a, a really damaging crash uh, in the peloton. Around 30 riders were involved, uh, including se uh, several riders who had to pull out of the race. Simon Yates of Team Bike Exchange and his teammate Lucas Hamilton and uh, Tim de Klerk of de Kernick Quickstep was down as well and he crossed the line 21 and a half minutes down inside the time limit but the extent of his injuries uh, we're not too sure and uh, well there was a little um, attempt by Quentin Pache of B&B &B to get away solo but that was never going to go anywhere a fairly chaotic little run into the finish um, the first bunch sprint I can remember in Carcassonne certainly the last two or three finishes in Carcassonne have been uh, decided by breakaway riders I was actually standing right on the finish line uh, I couldn't see a screen but I could hear all of the commentary and I knew that De Koenig Quickstep were uh, in a great position and Mark, Mark Cavendish was in the, uh, you know, the, the box seat to win the stage and so it proved they flashed across the line and I, Mark Cavendish put his arms in the air just a vision of green really and it wasn't until a little bit later that I realised that the rider in uh, blue Right behind him was his teammate, Michael Markov, and uh, Jasper Philipson was third. No real changes to the GC, um, but there we are, Richard. 34 Tour de France stage wins, equaling the record of Eddie Merckx. <laughs> are we bleeping that? <laughs> well, to be honest, uh, Mark Cavendish said the name Eddie Merckx today in the press conference. I mean, he couldn't avoid it, I suppose. Uh, but but to say once again, I mean, in the in the past and before the, 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 the what, what if he beats it? You know, we'll see if it, if the language changes. But so far, he had, he had you know kind of shied away from saying the name. He, he, he said the name today, but he, he told the press, journalists, everybody asking uh, that only people who don't know anything about cycling would compare him to Eddie Merckx. It was it was Kate who asked the question in the press conference actually uh, about the record. Uh, somebody had to. She drew the short straw, and um, yeah, I mean he, he made that very valid point that you cannot compare him with with Eddie Merckx, um, which is absolutely true. And I don't know if that is at the root of his reluctance to to talk about it, but you know Eddie Merckx won thirty four, very different stage in Tour de France, and now Mark Cavendish has won thirty four sprint stages um, it's a phenomenal achievement and we'll be talking about it for most of this episode I guess The Cycling Podcast at the 2021 Tour de France powered by Super Sapiens Energy Management for committed athletes and coaches Still guessing on fueling? Not sure what or when to eat and drink on rides that matter? Never again Optimize your fueling strategy with real-time glucose data actionable insight and personalized analytics. We are here to help you achieve your performance goals. Go to supersapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success. My name is Alexis Ryan and I race for Canyon SRAM. I had a pretty good nutrition plan when it came to training, but obviously with the biosensor, I was able to fine tune my nutrition plan because it's something that you see in real time and, okay, you have a plan of eating every 25 minutes, but with the live monitoring, I can modify and think, okay, I need to actually eat every 20 minutes when I'm doing this sort of ride or every 15 minutes when a hard workout. So yeah, it's, it's been super beneficial for fine-tuning energy intake. 
you know, one eye-opening realization was alcohol and especially beer. Beer really, really spikes the blood sugar. So it just reaffirmed like, okay, no wonder I feel poorly after drinking a beer or no wonder I sleep poorly after drinking a beer because this is what it does to my body. I mean, every once in a while you need to drink a beer just to for your mental health and relax a little bit, but it's good to know that like, all right, well, this is what I need to do to be the best athlete and to get the most out of my training and get the best recovery when it comes to sleep. Thanks very much indeed to our title sponsor, Super Sapiens. Um, and we heard there from Alexis Ryan from Canyon Shram, uh, a user of the Super Sapiens uh, sensors that you attach to your upper arm and they manage, they measure your blood glucose levels and uh, you can read it on your phone. Um, very useful tool for athletes and coaches. We're running a competition with Super Sapiens. If you would like to win three months supply, send us an audio clip telling us how and why. Um, you can find out how to enter the competition at thecyclingpodcast.com. Mark Cavendish, your last day on the tour, Lionel, mm. and you were here to witness a piece of history. And I imagine you've seen probably most, if not all, of his stage wins. Well, you, you missed a couple at the start of this tour. Missed a couple at the start of this tour. May have missed um, Paris, depending on which years I went into Paris for the final day. But yeah, I did stand on the finish line and, and just think back to that historic moment, really, in Chateau Roux in 2008. On the 9th of July, the same date. Well, there we are. I, I didn't know that, actually. Um, it was uh, it was in- extraordinary, really, to, to witness it. And I must admit, when I wasn't here at the start of the tour, knowing that this was one of the potential stories that uh, might really shape the race, I was kind of hoping that he might wait till uh, Valence to win the first one um, for purely selfish reasons. But I think, you know, the testimony to Mark Cavendish's uh, comeback, really, is the fact that he's come back to the Tour de France and won four stages just as he did in 2016, which was the last time he won any stages in the Tour. Uh, I do take his point about comparisons between himself and Eddie Merckx. I mean, they're not the same types of rider at all. But the beauty of this particular record, stage wins, is that it is kind of open to anybody. You know, in, in theory, a time trialist could win 34 Tour de France time trials. I mean, they'd be... If, if they had a, not, not in the Christian Prudhomme era. 20-year no. <laughs> career. Maybe if Jean-Marie Leblanc would make a comeback and uh, increase the number of, of time trials. I mean, Eddie Merckx's 34 wins were uh, gathered between 1969 and 1975. 16 of them were time trials. But he won flat stages, he won mountain stages. And I don't think the the fact that Cavendish has drawn level with that record is in any way an attempt to compare the two riders. But it is a, 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 a phenomenal record. I mean, it, it, the fact that Cavendish has managed to match that when he really only has one discipline. I mean, yes... There are a lot of sprints some years, particularly in his real heyday, um, 2008, 9, 10. There were, you know, um, half a dozen or more opportunities for him to win. He could afford to lose a few and and still bag four, five, six stage wins a year. Um, But the fact that he has won 34 sprint stages of the Tour, I think is absolutely extraordinary. And when you factor in, you know, the dot years, 2017, 18, 19 and 20, when uh, he either crashed as a result of the Sagan incident in 2017, finished miles outside the time limit at La Rosière in 2018. I mean, I remember we stood up there. Geraint Thomas had won the, um, the stage. The last rider inside the time limit was around 31 minutes down. Mark Cavendish was over an hour down. And because of the, the, the finish at La Rosière, the whole Tour de France had to stay up there and wait for Cavendish to cross the line before. Uh, you know, it, it was really symbolic that day because we saw Thomas basically taking uh, 
um, you know, a stranglehold on the yellow jersey, and Cavendish, both of the same era, but seemingly at totally different, totally different ends. Totally different ends. You know, it, 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 what's also remarkable for me is thinking about all the sprinters who have emerged over the, the last 13, 14 years and, and appeared to knock Cavendish off his perch. You know, Marcel Kittel, uh, even like Dylan Grunewig in a couple of years ago, we were of the view that these young sprinters who kept emerging were, 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 were going to finish Cavendish. And he's seen them all off. I mean, uh, over well, a remarkable period of time. I have to say that, you know, one of his points that he makes um, where he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to view his tour wins as a whole, but to value each one individually. I kind of appreciated that tonight more because I think this was a really hard fought one. They're all difficult, but there are times when it looks, he makes it look quite easy. This looked really hard tonight. He had a lot to do. Um, it was a bit of a chaotic finish. And you could tell in the post-stage interview with Seb Piquet that he had gone very, very deep indeed, which might have implications over, well, Sunday's stage in particular. Yeah, also, when, when you win 34 stages of the Tour de France, obviously they can't, they can't all be the same. I mean, if Mario Cipollini, another great sprinters, a sprinter of in history, won all his sprints the same way, uh, Mark Cavendish on this Tour de France, you know, kind, as I said before, won a, a sprint a, a, a little bit the Cipollini way with, with, with the train. But remember when he came back, uh, you know, uh, to win in, in 2016 and all uh, in the, those years, uh, it, it, we, we, we were all saying at the time it's the end of trains, you know, uh, it, it's not up to the individual uh, talent to do that. He, he was also able to win sprints like this. I mean, to last that long when, when the, the evolution of the, the bikes, the evolution of the mentality, the evolution of the, uh, even if the strategy of the tactic and is and is still there is 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 really remarkable that you could you can always say because it's it's a fact you know that uh, okay there, there, there aren't any great sprinters left in the in the, there were probably not many at the start except can um but I mean, we have a saying in French, les absents ont toujours tort, you know, absentees are always wrong. I mean, so, I mean, it's not Cavendish's fault if uh, Peter Sagan uh, crashed and if Caleb Ewan crashed. I mean, uh, <laughs> it's, it's not, you know, is is there is 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 there in the year that that mattered and I mean one by one they they, they you know the, the sprinters with the chance to challenge him uh, are gone and the, the second aspect of uh, I wanted to 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 point out and of course we will get back to it but it's the 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 gold making machine of the uh, the the kind of quick step uh, wolfpack and and train and because what's even more. Uh, Interesting, uh, striking, surprising with the the kind of quick step train, is that y you could understand that if they, okay they changed the, the the last part of the rocket, you know, uh, but but the base remains the same. But it's not the case, you know. They, they didn't have Tim de Klerk uh, five years ago. They didn't have Casper uh, Asgreen uh, ten years ago. I mean, the 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 the, the guys change. Markov and, and, as well, and you know, has yeah, been a revelation, right. and, and, in, the, and, the, and the train keeps and the train keeps rolling, which is uh, it's it's very it's, it's one of the things I find great about sports and the cycling as a team sport as well, is that a team philosophy, a, a team approach to to, to things, uh, is, is is kind of uh, larger than than, than 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 the people you know taking part in it. I mean, the the the, the tradition of the of the of, of sprinting in that team 
regardless of the, who the guys are, is, is, is just amazing. Well, a lot would say that that stems from the, the man in charge, Patrick Lefebvre. And mm. you, well, we're going to hear more from him next week, but let's hear a little bit from Patrick Lefebvre from the start this morning. When he lost, when he left our team, it was about money. I didn't have the, the money he asked, and another team paid this, and Ro Valdak took a few persons to this team. And now he's back, the rest is history. Do you feel you're getting good value for money uh, from this Tour de France from Mark Cavendish then? Well, he is cheaper. I don't like to, to speak about uh, next year, but if you are winning the 35th on the Champs-Élysées with the green jersey, you leave by the big door, another back door. Chute, chute à l'arrière du peloton, cycling podcast, team car, the back of the pack, please. That's Seb PK, the voice of Radio Tour, to remind us to tell you that this episode is sponsored by SumUp. SumUp provides the simplest and most affordable range of payment and financial tools. Receiving a card reader is often a major milestone for new businesses, and with SumUp, there's no contract, no hidden fees, just easy, flexible payments. SumUp offers affordable and simple payment tools for businesses which are just starting up or taking themselves to the next level. And Richard, I don't know if you noticed, but even here in France, people are using SumUp, because when you paid the bill at our very I always pleasant, pay the bill, don't I? Well, the the cycling podcast pays the bill. We all pay the bill, don't we? But uh, the very charming Chambre d'Hôte in Nîmes, where we stayed last night, um, I'd gone to the car park already. You stayed behind to pay the bill. And I got an email saying that our bill had been transacted by SumUp. And I think a lot of small businesses, this was a Chambre d'Hôte, so not a big hotel chain. Uh, the flexibility of using SumUp uh, to take payments direct from the, um, from the customer's uh, without all of the faff of uh, having to have a hard phone line connected up to a card reader or a till, or I mean, those days are gone, and SumUp is at the, uh, the forefront of this technology. So in order to create a world where small business owners can be successful doing what they love, today more than 3 million businesses use SumUp to get paid, and if you want to find out more, go to sumup.co.uk. Richard, you said about Mark Cavendish, uh, you know, taking each Tour de France stage win and savouring it like a good wine, really, and not uh, not looking at the sum of uh, all of those parts. And and perhaps after his career, he will reflect on uh, the final number that he lands on. But I think that's consistent with his whole career because I remember back in sort of 2009 and 10 when he was racking up. Uh, stages. He did always emphasise that it was a Tour de France stage win that was precious, not he's the been, accumulation of them. Completely consistent on that yeah. all, all the time. He's mm. he's always said it's not about winning two or three or four. It's very very hard to win a stage of the Tour de France. Is what he always says. And so, I mean, it's a great if if that's the philosophy he's able to sort of internalise and really feel, which I have no reason to doubt that. Then it's a great way to live because the last thing you want to do is be focused on a on a, a record, a tally, because that would prevent you from enjoying wins number 27, 28, 29, 30. So it's a very healthy perspective that he has on it, if that is how he genuinely feels. And I, I, I think it is, yeah. because he's, he's always said it. I think that's the mentality of the champion. I, I remember I, I, I actually wrote the autobiography of uh, Patrick Muratoglu, who is uh, Serena Williams' uh, coach. And, uh, and he was telling me that the difference between the champion and a great athlete is that the champion... When he's won a, a, a race or a tournament or whatever, he immediately thinks about the next one. Like, like, like you know, it, it's always, always looking for something else. And so each 
individual victory is 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 very important. But there's no feeling of being blasé or anything. I don't think Mark Cavendish. Some you, you can tell some guys get you know wary uh, about you know their career or you know. Maybe Peter Sagan, we saw him, uh, you know, um, giving up yesterday. Of course, he was sorry, but you, you can tell that what 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 got uh, to him in the last couple of years was uh, uh, some kind of weariness. I don't think Mark Cavendish was ever weary. He, he had bad times, he struggled, but there was ne never a time when he was weary. And 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 I believe him when he says every victory is every time, uh, you know, a, a new one, something different, and. Uh, if one day, I, I would still like to, because it's important when even in this beginning with HTC and, and uh, Colombia, and, and if, if one day there's a monument to his uh, 34 or 35 sprint victories, who knows, he could win Paris. Uh, I mean, that you've got the monuments, whatever it was, <laughs> where it will be, but the names of all the guys you know who, who took part in, in those trains should, should feature on the monument as well. I just want to, you mentioned Peter Sagan there. Um, we had an email today because you posted a picture of his knee, his mm -hmm. swollen knee on oh, Twitter we yesterday. We had a, an email um, from Phil Denton in Liverpool. Dear Richard, can we not take a moment to celebrate Francois's wonderful photo of Sagan's knee with its playful balance of light and shade, surely worthy of some kind of award? <laughs> That's a reference, obviously, to last night's uh, revelation of Lionel's recent success in the Redbourne Village Photography Competition bracket spring category. I mean, um, you mentioned his lead-out, um, Francois, and it was it a was messy old finish. I mean, they lost him to Clerk to the crash, that could be, if he is affected by that, that could be a big loss in the mountain stage in particular. We heard, he's been keeping an audio diary for us, and we heard in our last instalment of that what an important role he had in, in helping Cavendish through uh, the stage to Teen last Sunday, and he will be important again on Sunday. Um, ahead of Cavendish coming into the finish, I mean, Team DSM took a bit of a flyer. Uh, Ivan Garcia Cortina um, also went off the front at one point. Um, in effect, he acted almost as a lead-out man, as we'll hear in a moment. Uh, Davide Ballerini maybe went a bit too soon, uh, but I spoke to him at the finish and also to Michael Morkov, his peerless lead-out man. According to Cycling Visualizations, that was the 119th professional win as a teammate for Morkov, his 59th with the Koenig Quick Step, most of them earned as the key sprint lead-out member. It includes 13 stages of the Tour de France, six stages of the Giro, and six stages of the Vuelta. So uh, another, I mean, he finished second on the stage. It was amazing. One of, one of our colleagues asked him if he'd put the brakes on uh, to ensure that Cavendish came round him. He laughed at that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, phenomenal. Um, let's hear first from Morkov and then from uh, Cavendish's Italian teammate, Davide Ballerini. I was leading the race until 50 metres before. Uh, I was really much aware that Kev was just in my wheel and, and, and he was going to take the stage, but uh, I squeezed in uh, and took some points from the other sprinters, so she secured his jersey even more. But I also have to say, uh, for me personally, to finish second in a Tour de France stage is also uh, a top result. Did you break? <laughs> no, I didn't break. <laughs> did, <laughs> did, um, you did, you did. <laughs> did. It looked quite a bit, it looked quite complicated, did it? And yet you finished first and second on the stage. Did it feel quite a complicated, messy finish? Yeah, it was really messy with the last uh, left-hand corner. Uh, we got messed up with a few teams. Uh, Ballerini went a bit too early, in my opinion, so I just left him and uh, I tried to get a, a guy from DSM in between. Uh, I just had to improvise a bit there. And then uh, Garcia Cortina, he went early and I went into his slipstream and he pretty much leaded us out. 
you think Mark will let us ask him about the record now? Absolutely. He will be happy to talk about it. I'm very proud to be a part of this team who, who brought Kev back to this top level and, and tying the record of, of Eddie Merckx. And, uh, yeah, now having won five stages out of uh, 13 done, it's, um, it's truly amazing. I, I knew before the race that it would already be history if we could make uh, Mark win just a stage yeah. after being out for so many years. And, and of course, the uh, last couple of days, uh, the, the thoughts came more and more close that uh, he could tie the record of Eddie Max. And uh, yeah, I think we can all be very proud to be a part of that history. That looked uh, quite messy and quite complicated at the finish there. You were challenged by a few other teams. Yes, we're, we're not so easy because I think everybody understands we are. We have the best sprinter here, Iskav. They try to attack us, but we stay together. We, we close to everybody because we believe in Cav and under 10% and uh, he did it. You lost Tim de Klerk as well. I mean, he, he was caught up in, in that crash. That must have been a big, a big loss. Yeah, for sure. I I don't know. Did he crash bad? He crashed quite badly. I mean, he was. Uh, he's. I think he might still be coming in, but he's back on his bike and okay. Yeah, uh, this is this is not uh, not a good uh, good things because I don't I didn't know until now. Team is it's unbelievable because he pull. If you, if you put him uh, in front of the group, he can put all day. He can pull 400k at the same bat. It's, it's really, really, really unbelievable. And I hope for him it's, it's good because we need, we need him. We really need him. And we're not allowed to talk about the records with Mark, the Eddie Merckx record. But what do you think it means for him to draw level with the greatest cyclist of all time? Uh, Eddie is Eddie. It's really, it's really beautiful. But now, now there is Mark. He did, he did it, and uh, he made the history. How many more stages can he win in this tour? <laughs> I don't know, but uh, for sure we, we are not at the finish of the tour, but we see in uh, Paris. And just finally, I mean, you're a winner in your own right. Lots of you on the team are, and yet you're fully committed, obviously, to helping Mark. Is that something that you enjoy being part of? Yes, Mark is really unbelievable because I was really, really happy to, to work for him because uh, one of the first races I see, he win uh, with the high road and uh, I see this guy, this little guy, he was unbelievable because he, he win everything and now we are here together, we work together, he's, he's a really, really beautiful person. Science in Sport is supporting the cycling podcast at the 2021 Tour de France. Science in Sport fueled by science. Thank you very much indeed to Science and Sport, our longtime sponsor. Uh, very grateful to them for their support of the Cycling Podcast and all our spin-off shows. Um, if you want 25% off all your Science and Sport products, go to scienceandsport.com and enter the code, Lionel. S-I-S-C-P 25. And well if you done. want to win some, oh, yeah. go to thecyclingpodcast.com and just predict the winner of Sunday's Stage to Andorra and you could win an energy bundle. Um, and I should also say a reminder at this point that if you have questions for our press conference on Monday, um, the second rest day press conference, email us, contact at thecyclingpodcast.com, send us an audio clip, and we'll answer your questions. We'll be joined by Mitch Docker on Monday. He's joining up with us in Andorra. We thought we were going to be joined by Kate Wagner again Saturday night. It looks like that will not be possible because she is on a motorbike on Sunday, which will be, I'm sure, I'm looking forward to hearing about that in her next audio diary. 
Um, but we will, I think, be joined by Kate on Sunday instead, and maybe a, a special guest as well, because we are losing Lionel tomorrow. Lionel, have you enjoyed your few days at the I've tour? I've loved it, yeah, the three days of the Tour de France. You've been a great trialist for us, and uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll be in touch to let you know if well, uh, we're going to extend you know the trial period. <laughs> I'm, I'm building up, though, Rich. I'm maybe a, a, a six-day race or a week-long stage race next and get back into the swing of things. Um, but yeah, it's been like winding back the clock to 2008, 2009. Um, and just um, when I heard that uh, Kate had asked the question that shouldn't be asked in the press conference, it did take me back to, um, you know, when Cavendish was at his absolute spikiest uh, around sort of 2009 and 10. I mean, he was at his spikiest. Uh, when his he spike was is 2009, 10, 11, 12, <laughs> 13, 14, 15. Well, when he 15. was at his peak... I mean, he was untouchable in in so many ways. I mean, the, he saw the press conferences was almost a a, a a sort of a man against man battle or man against woman battle. You got who a sense from the press conference of what it was like to take him on in a sprint in Absolutely a way. Absolutely, he was very competitive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and in the same time, I mean, I, I, you can tell if if needed, he could still be the uh, five letter word he, he, he used to describe himself as a young uh, writer yeah. against the press <laughs> yeah he did he, he sort of started, said that you know he pieced the yeah, yeah okay Francois thank you for that well I don't know <laughs> some guys <laughs> might <laughs> yeah, yeah. he said he said <laughs> he our said, listeners are quicker than that Francois yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said that he, he had as a a youngster being quite brash and that he kind of resented it's also five year uh, five <laughs> letter word yeah, yeah, brash. <laughs> he said that you know certain elements of the press had had held that against him uh, for longer than he th thought he deserved i don't think that's the case really i think that uh, cavendish has always been a fantastic story at the tour brilliant story. i mean yeah and and you know hugely entertaining and thoughtful and engaged and you know he was asked tonight about uh, the, the gesture he made the other day passing the Tom Simpson Memorial and Montfontu and he talked about Simpson's place in British cycling and his the fact that he followed in his footsteps tire marks by becoming a world road race champion but in, in, in saying that he also paid tribute to Beryl Burton Lizzie Dagnan and Nicole Cook the three uh Female yeah, world champions as another well. Another thing he said on French TV, which was, uh, oh, oh no, it was to Sepp Piquet. Uh, he, he told Sepp Piquet, you know, and did, he, he didn't mention Merckx to Sepp Piquet. I mean, probably a little something between them for asking too many times. Uh, but he told him that w w what he would like this record to mean is to inspire young kids to ride the Tour de France. And he said straight away, and young young female riders to 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 ride the the, the Tour de France fam that is going to be, uh, you know, a reality ne next year. So he, he, I mean, he always always you know he always looks uh, ahead. He has his thoughts for you know his wide ranging view of things. Yeah, fascinating guy. Yeah, just on uh, when Francois was talking about changing the parts of the rocket, I was just thinking of the British sitcom Only Fools and Horses and Trigger's Broom. And uh, when you mentioned yeah. Morkoff playing the part in so many, I mean, you could probably put Cavendish and Morkoff together as the brush and the handle, and you've got the. I mean, the yeah, that, that the, the joke there is Trigger's asked how how long have you had that broom? He says thirty years, and then it it transpires that all the different parts of it have been replaced. Yeah, he's had fifteen new handles and twenty <laughs> new brushes, um, but. Again, going back it's to 2008. Like a glass of wine. I, I only had one glass of wine last night, <laughs> I, I think. <laughs> well, let's uh, get back to the realm of uh, fact rather than fiction for a moment. <laughs> uh, 2008 tour, just looking at the riders at Cavendish beat into Chateau Roux, uh, you know, Oscar Freire, 
Eric Zabel, Tor Hushov, Baden Cook, Robert Hunter. I mean, he's literally now beating Zabel's son. Well, that's it. Yeah, I mean, obviously Zabel was at the tail end of his career. You know, Robbie McEwen was, uh, you know, uh, just inside the top ten that day as well, and he was sort of coming towards the end as well. Um, but it's extraordinary. You know, I know we we we've described Andre Greipel as the, the fading force of sprinting um, s- several years ago, probably prematurely. Um, there's the longevity of Cavendish. You know, it is. 2007 was his first tour as a sort of pretty fresh-faced, 22-year-old, uh, and now here we are in uh, 2021, and uh, he's equaled this record, which, as as, well, it's gone from being absolutely bang on. You know, when he got to kind of 25 uh, in mm. 2013, you would not have bet. Yeah, it's it. like Tiger Woods, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, then know. it's gone out of reach, and now. Well, he's won away, and, and there are two very, very good opportunities still for him to break the record. Libon on Friday, and Paris, obviously, on Sunday. I mean, isn't it, we heard Patrick Lefebvre suggest that you know he could he could almost exit the sport in in Paris if he if he wins there. But I, I don't get the sense that he would. I think I mean we actually we we listened in on um, Patrick Lefebvre's contract negotiations with Mark Cavendish earlier. Um, Lionel does a very good impression of both Cavendish and Lefebvre, and I recorded him in the car. Um, imagining the scene, we'll have to release that as a, a part of a friend's special <laughs> at some point. Um, if you want to sign up as a friend uh, of the podcast, in, the, in my final thecyclingpodcast.com, yeah. it'll be in the Lionel special, the Life and Times of Lionel. <laughs> we'll we'll shove it in at the end of that. She's uh, getting yeah shunted further into but the distance. It, it is, it is. Yeah, it's a r- remarkable story, and it's been a welcome story as well. Um, in a tour where, um, you know, you know. Tani Pogacar is so dominant in the yellow jersey competition. This has been a, a great, not even a subplot, a, a, a plot, a main plot. Maybe, maybe a little mentioned because we're, uh, you know, I was adamant to talk about the uh, um, Mark Cavendish's train and teammate. The look, well, actually, his locomotive crashed today. Team the clerk and uh, nearly, well. He crashed out of the race. I mean, if he, managed he looked to in a bad way, yeah. And uh, yeah, another. Uh, we, there, there, there had been a lull in crashes in the recent stages, and uh, again today, uh, well, consequences from from a crash. Well, our, our producer on, mm. for this episode, Hugh Owen, uh, actually messaged us because he knows um, these roads around here very well, and he he, he reckoned he knew that precise uh, bit of road um, where it suddenly goes from very new, smooth asphalt to older quite rough asphalt and uh i think that maybe was a factor in the in well said pk told us at the finish didn't he that the the cause was actually gravel on the edge of the road that had recently been resurfaced and uh listening to the uk commentary on uh, eurosport bradley wiggins was on the motorbike uh, i saw him yesterday he's uh, out here having quarantined um he's now in the race on the motorbike and he was commenting on how much road furniture there was speed bumps uh, every sort of well he said every couple of hundred meters and uh, it just took me back to um it was victor campanarts i think who said at the start of the race how the peloton went quiet as it went through villages mm. and uh, there is a definitely a sense in this middle phase of the race and it's something i felt from coming out um, and joining the race you know halfway through there is a sense that, it, that it's relaxed into a groove and a rhythm and it's it's 
understandable that the riders are you know they're perhaps they just relax a little bit you know the the the, the brakes coming back everything's going to be back together there's that mix of nervousness and relaxation it's it's and very unusual it's happen. very unusual to see tim de clerk crash because he's often on the front and he's actually quite a nervous rider in the bunch he's said in the past um so he'll be badly shaken by that as well as as hurt. And Simon Yates out the race, that could be a big blow for his Olympic ambitions. He also really fancies Sunday stage to Andorra. Lucas Hamilton as well out the race of Bike Exchange had a terrible day today. And uh, there'll be other riders who are quite badly hurt. Soren Crow Anderson was uh, right down into the, the gorge. Yeah, and, and we're, we're mentioning how, uh, you know, our, how exciting Sunweb were last year with Mark Urshie, Soren Kragansen, and these guys. And, and this year, I mean, Mark Urshie is no longer with the team that now DSM, but those two guys were, you know, amongst the combatives and, you mm. know, exciting riders of the last edition were really, really unlucky. Remember Soren Kragansen only made the cut cut by one second uh, on the, uh, well, yesterday, I think it was, and, uh, and crashed again today. Well, yeah. you know, life on the tour is hard. We should wrap up in an order, but um, because... Uh, it, We'll get a bit of, of, of bit of culture from you, Francois, if we can. Um, sure. It's difficult for us to probably um, state just how much of a character Robert Eden was, who we met earlier, and hopefully you'll hear from him in... Uh, I mean, the, the, uh, the physical embodiment of the phrase joie de vivre, really, wasn't I mean, Incredible, incredible character. Well, uh, we go for the culture um, stuff, you know. Speaking of incredible characters, <laughs> well, no, you know, but I, I hope you're not, uh, you know, you're not talking about me. But anyway, I think the the word um, the word of the day could be Qatar. If you go in the area, and we, we we've been driving around small, uh, you know, little villages and hills and stuff, and in old part of southwest region, you see if you travel around the word Qatar, and the word and Qatar, as, you, as some of you might know, uh, was a religion, actually, in the 11th century. Um, it was actually kind of the pioneer, pioneering moment of, you know, Protestantism against Catholicism. It was a kind of a return to the uh, original faith. Uh, and, and lots of, the, uh, of this area was, uh, you know, was with Qatar. They, they were... They were which mean the pure ones. So there, there was really a return to the origins of the of Christianity, and there was uh, they were considered heretics. And in 1208, the Pope launched a crusade against uh, those heretics who dared challenge Rome. And uh, lots of villages around here, you, you've got this castle on top of the hills in ruins that remind this 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 kind of uh, epic. Uh, moment because I mean the Cathars would all uh, you know gather in those castles to protect themselves against the the armies of the Pope and there, there were massacres I mean tomorrow we'll be going to Montségur and there's, there's a great climb there with like, La Montée de Montségur which is going to be one of the main fi uh, features of tomorrow's stage and Montségur was really a martyr you know uh, town it was a village it was uh, besieged by the uh, armies led by Sam Simon de Montfort Simon de Montfort who, uh, who was actually leading the crusade against the uh, heretics and uh, and actually uh, in Montségur 500 uh, Cathars stood up to an army of 6,000 men and they were all killed in the end there's a famous there was a famous word by Simon de Montfort in his crusade against the, the Cathars in the 13th century uh, the, the guys you know he had, he had besieged a town he took all the guys 
from the locals, men and women, into a church and burned the church. And he said, uh, God will sort out the good for the from the bad. I mean, that was really, you know, that, that, those were the days. I mean, uh, anyway, Qatar, so if it, yeah, it's, and it's still very vivid in the local uh, uh, tradition and, and, and mentality, you know, the, the, the heritage of the Qatar times. Um, other little facts of the day, uh, cheese of the day. I mean, if, if I don't mention the cheese of the day, uh, there's, there's, there's a little cheese that's made here. It's, it's funny because it's a small creamy goat cheese quite similar to the, 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 the goat cheese we, we, we had in Brittany in Pons at the start of the tour. And it's called Ecu du Pays Qatar. So you see, again, we're in Qatar land. And then there's, there's, there's a big one called Ecu and a smaller one called Ecusson. And they're, yeah, they're, they're well, they're not really, you know, half industrial little uh, goat cheese. But yeah, pretty, pretty decent, pretty good stuff. So that was the, the cheese of the day in the area. Uh, we're in Carcassonne, and um, we have to mention Albert Bourlon. You, we, you, you, well, Lionel will, will know who Albert Bourlon was in the 1947 tour. He, uh, you know, the, we, actually, the stage started from the from the gun at the foot of the medieval city of Carcassonne, and and they went to Bagnères de Luchon, and Albert Bourlon, you know went away uh, he used to he had been a, a worker for for Renault before becoming a, a pro rider sort of and he so he took off and took 16 minutes ahead of the next rider and and staged a 253 k breakaway which is still to the to this day, the longest in the history of the tour. I think Lachlan Morton's broken it. <laughs> yeah. uh, Richard Morkoff is uh, going to try uh, next week. And he said, you know, uh, uh, actually, he said, I didn't expect to win the stage. I would have been content to pocket the bonuses, which reprint twice my monthly salary. Uh, and, 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 and there was another very funny thing, because the day before he went away on his own, uh, he was almost disqualified by the commissaires, you know, because actually, they, they, you know, he, he finished not, not last, but they, they, the, the race commissaire, actually, they, 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 for, they forgot his name. His name was not on the list, you know, in the results at the end of the day. And so when, when, he, when he crossed the finish line after winning, in his stage, Boulogne went to the commissary and they say, did you see me this time? <laughs> <laughs> that was the, the little you know, anecdote Excellent. about Albert Excellent. Bourlon. There you are. So last but not least, if you, if you come to the area, to the uh, to this Qatar uh, area, not very cl very close to where we are now, about 10 k's, <clears throat> and it was on the on the on the course today. Is as a extraordinary village called Minerve and that's why the, 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 the area is called Minervois and it's a fortified village it was at kilometers 172 today if you get there it's, you, 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 you can feel all the atmosphere of the Qatar times because it's actually uh, you know it's kind of a rock standing in the middle of, a, of gorges of a river and you could tell these guys you know had to protect themselves from invasions and from their enemies and it, it's, it's, you know, it's not a very touristy place but it's, it's spectacular so if you have a chance come to Minerve Richard, I noticed you put our wine back in its uh, mm. in its uh, ice bucket there. Uh, I noticed you were not you were paying full attention to Francois's French flavour. You were also at looking menu. at the menu on the chalkboard there. Now I'm wearing my Cassiolet podcast T-shirt because normally down in the southwest I would seek out a Cassiolet if we were staying in Carcassonne, but we're not in the town. It's kind of a, I, I guess it's a little bit gone out of fashion, perhaps Cassiolet maybe. Um, but this style of uh, food, Francois in uh, Saint 
We had a tapas lunch, and this kind of French tapas is uh, becoming uh, much more popular and common. And there's some absolute delights on this menu. I can see, well, there's a, a, a smoked haddock pate, there's some, some cod eggs, so basically a sort of, I guess, a poor man's caviar, really, I suppose. Um, what else? The moule marinieres on there, there's some, some magret. I mean, we should order. Just... Uh, you're Just bring me one of each. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, we're about to, to order. I, I, I'll sing a quick song. Yeah, are you going to sing this out, yeah, Lionel? I, I, I <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, uh, because that's you know that's part of the cultural thing. Uh, th- this one is a little bit far fetched, but I, I couldn't resist. So I'm, I'm doing it. It's like it's like it's like the uh, the young uh, Mark Cavendish talking to the Mark Cavendish of today, and he could he could sing something like. When I get older, losing my hair, many years from now, will you still be sending me a valentine, birthday greetings, bottle of wine, if I'd been out till quarter to three, would you lock the door? Will you still need me? Will you still feed me? When I'm 34... Beat <laughs> record. <laughs> Excellent, Francois. Thank you, Lionel. Thank you, Rich. Uh, Thank- just a quick word. Thanks, guys, for um, a great few days. And, uh, yeah, I'm going home to quarantine now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lionel. <laughs>